day of the BH Sales Kennel Cup Holistic Healing Hour. We are here daily. Some of you via invitation, when, where, and if you have the moment to see this at taping, it is in studio as of September 29th. Obviously, as you folks are seeing this, ubiquitous audience one and all, it became available as of the 30th. When it becomes the 30th, that time of taping, thanks for that little expose here. It's not a live taping. My next in-studio guest, John Giver, is about to tell us about himself in the fascinating, we just talked about this in the green room, we're of comparable age. We actually remember when this tragic event happened, and my goodness, semantically speaking, we just shared that officially as December becomes 51 years ago, my God, where is the time gone, of the tragedy of Flight 571, which we are definitely going to highlight in depth here. So what I want to repeat, some of you where I do do the shows daily may have heard John's bio from the Podmatch Arena. I want to make sure I'm pronouncing it correctly, John Giver, and giving him, he is indeed an expert on the 1972 Andes Flight Disaster 571, which he'll expand upon in a moment. In the Podmatch Arena, it's important to encompass the guest tags, which will be encompassed in this show and were in the aforementioned Prelude show. They include Airplane author, which he obviously is, Catholic, nonfiction, post-traumatic stress disorder and or PTSD, rugby, South America, survival, trauma recovery, and of course, Uruguay. Reading the biography as it's stated in the Podmatch Arena, verbatim, I am an author who turned to writing after a career in the world of artificial intelligence, time permitting in this show, we'll have him expand upon that. He has an open invite. We can get into that aspect at another time, but that's a fascinating area as well. Continuing verbatim, I have spent many years researching the 1972 Andes flight disaster, first as a hobby and then full-time, leading to the publication of a comprehensive history of the event. Quotation fingers, those on the radio side of life and in studio where you can see this uh, video-wise, I'm using my quotation fingers to play the game, the title of the book, which appeared in December of 1972, the 50th anniversary of the return of 16 survivors after 72 days lost in the mountains. 50 years later was the anniversary of that said book, of the said event. We're calling to action today, my audience, our audience, ubiquitous audiences here, John's audience, all audiences. Thank you, first of all. We continue to grow exponentially with your help by paying it forward in all regards. Please do go to johngiver.org. That's all small case, J-O-H-N-G-U-I-V-E-R.org. And when you get there to do so, that link will indeed give you information about John's book and his involvement in the Andy stories. And it, it contains links to the book and to the interviews and other media interactions there. This is a perfect place, I think, to have John segue in here and tell us a little bit more and welcome him aboard. John Guyver, my guest in studio. John, thank you for joining us. Over in England, thank you, and we appreciate the time zone difference a little bit later on a Friday evening for yourself. 
We appreciate you being here to accommodate all of us. Please do tell us about John, the story as it is, and how you got involved, and welcome. Take her away, sir, and thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you, Grandpa Bill. It's a, a great pleasure to be on your on your show, on your you. podcast. Um, so maybe, um, I don't know uh, how many of your audience members uh, remember the story, or maybe many of them are, are, are too young to remember it. Uh, but I, I think it's fair it's, to say, I'm sorry, I think it's fair to say within the demographics of my audience, without knowing that, of course, that yeah. both scenarios probably exist. Continue. Right. So uh, as you said, Grandpa Bill, it's uh, 51 years since it since it happened. So maybe I'll give a, a quick recap of the story and please then do, we, can, please do, please. we can sort of delve into various aspects as um, you find interesting or um you know, as, as the conversation sort of evolves. So it, it was October 1972. Um, it was a group of young Uruguayans, rugby players, but also their friends and some family members. Um, they charter a plane to um, fly to Chile to play a rugby game. Uh, it's a plane that's um, uh, chartered from the Uruguayan Air Force. And, of course, to get from uh, Uruguay to Chile, Uruguay is in the west of South America, uh, in the east of South America, and Chile is in the west. So you have to cross the Andes. So um, they, uh, so you can sort of think about um, the flight as being something like from Colorado to San Francisco, perhaps. It's that sort of um, distance. So take a few hours. Um, but... Um, bad weather in the Andes forces them to stop on the Argentinian side of the Andes, uh, so on the to the east of the Andes, um, and they continue the voyage the next day. Uh, and it's it's quite a short hop from um, where they were in Argentina, the city of Mendoza, to uh, to uh, Santiago in Chile. But they take they make a sort of detour because of conditions in the Andes, uh, right. and at about an hour into the flight, the pilot makes um, uh, a, a wrong turn essentially, um, and they find themselves flying in, in in thick cloud. There are a couple of very abrupt um, uh, air pockets. They come out of the bottom of the clouds, and the pilot sees a ridge right in front of him. A, a massive ridge, it's 15,000 feet. Um, and the passengers, of course, see uh, everything, all the mountains around them. Um, and he tries desperately to gain altitude. He can't, the, the wings clip the ridge. He sort of flies through a notch in the ridge. The wings clip the ridge. The wings come off. The tail comes off. Um, there are five passengers who come out the back uh, and are, are killed immediately. Um, but the, the sort of fuselage without any wings lands in the snow, which is uh, they've had very deep snowfall that right. year. And it yeah. toboggans about a mile down the other side of the mountain and comes to rest on a, on a glacier. Um, and miraculously, they're at, the, at, the, the, at the moment, uh, you know, after the plane comes to a stop, there are 33 out of the 45 passengers are still alive. Wow. Some some of them badly injured. Um, yeah. The 
uh, fuselage, you know, has, is open at the back, so it's uh, it's very cold. They they crash at about three thirty in the afternoon local time. Um, the darkness is coming in. Um, there's a snowfall starts. Um, they try and make the best of it over the first night, but they, you know they're standing shivering in what of remains course. of the fuselage. Yeah, of uh, it's probably about um, you know minus twenty Fahrenheit. Um, I was going to say, what, what kind of mean average temperatures will we be yeah. talking? Yeah, about minus. And but but with the wind chill, it's it's, it's much it's much oh, colder Google. even Google. than that. Google. Google. Um, and overnight, um, you know, five five more five more die. So you've got about twenty eight passengers still, you know, still living. Uh, and the the next day, they take stock. They see their mountains all around them. Um, of course, they, they expect to rescue. Why, why wouldn't they expect to rescue? So, right. you know, they, they triage the injured. Um, there are a couple of medical students, uh, you know, who, who use their rudimentary knowledge to try and dress wounds and set broken bones and, and, and stuff like that. A um, couple of days later, a couple of planes fly over and they think, you know, great, we've been spotted. Well, uh, will be rescued within a couple of days. A couple of days or whatever. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but time goes on, and um, you know, eventually quite an extensive amount of time. Quite an the sound of the amount. sound of planes, uh, you know, disappears, and 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 they sort of, you know, so the realists among them certainly realise that you know the search has been called off, and that's indeed Good. verified a few days later on on a little transistor radio. They they Correct. hear news. Uh, you know, this news report saying, uh, you know, the search has been called off, you know, essentially they were given up for dead. You, you guys, well, not you guys, but they could actually hear some sort of a transistor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They Tell them about, about their demise. Tell them about their demise. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, so, you know, meanwhile, they've, they've made some sort of exploratory expeditions up some up some of the mountains surrounding them. And... You know, it's been impossible. The snow's deep. Uh, it's cold. Oh, they can't, it, stay, they can't it, stay out overnight. Um, and they're getting more and more hungry. And eventually they make the decision, a very difficult decision. A very difficult uh, decision. The, the only one they can make was to use the, the, the bodies of their, their friends. And, of course, well, that was the big built. sensationalist thing about the story. But, in fact, it's probably the least interesting uh, aspect of the story, as, you know, I hope. Right, your audience right. will will sort of come to um, to understand, um, and you know, of course, there's the practic horrific practicalities of how to do that, and you know, some of the older of boys sort of take of, the responsibility. Of course, it is. Of course it is. Um, and the I, I should say that these are these are all friends. These are people have gone to primary school together. I mean, they've known and each other. We don't other want to get any lives. off color jokes or whatever, yeah. but you know what I'm saying. Hey, I knew yeah. Jimmy, and yeah, yeah. You know, well, so it's pretty uh, tough. It's pretty tough. It's tough, and and, and the, the really the thing that that helped them to get over that taboo was they they had a meeting and they said, look, if one of us dies, who one of us who is still alive dies, we would want we that would for be them. happy. We would, we, we would we be would happy want for our body for to be used. And so, right. by sort of extension, by extrapolation, right. they made the decision. Well, their friends would have said the same thing. No takeout okay, so, in the Andes. No takeout in the Andes. Like, no, no, no takeout take in the Andes. Andes. Yeah, continue, continue. Anyway, so, so they, you know, they made that decision. They set about 
organizing themselves. They, you know, figure out how to make water. They start they trying to them. prepare for expeditions. They, um, they build some hammocks for the injured so they're not trodden on, you know, on the floor of the fuselage where they're sleeping. Um, very, very, you know, ingenious and inventive. Could you, could they even, I'm trying to make this, you know, could they even <clears throat> isolate the area that they would have to? Well, yeah, yes, you, they, they, the, 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 the cutting so it wasn't, the bodies was, you know, was done one, was you know, on one side of the plane. Yeah, yeah so most, I mean, so you can at least. Keep it behind a curtain or what have you. Most most boys didn't yeah. didn't didn't yes. see this this happening. So yeah, um, right, right. So uh, they're sort of actually you know sort of starting to plan expeditions for serious seriously now right. that they've they've managed to to eat and get a bit of strength back and they've right. you know they've made right. these sort of makeshift um, sunglasses out of some perspex and the best that um, they could was what they yeah, didn't yeah. have to do and, so and um, do so. snowshoes out of cushions and stuff like that so very 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 ingenious but then they, and they probably down. were virtually there probably were virtually no medical supplies, or did there happen to be a few because of the medical contingent? Well, no. There, there, there was um, later. They they found the the tail of the plane, which had gone down the mountain further. Okay. And there okay. were some things like some aspirin and um, some antibiotics. I mean, and, at least um, not to minimize that, but I mean, at least when they like found that. that yeah. it, you know, they had some semblance of medication to, right, right. You know, yeah. Continue. So, so, so they're settling down about seventeen days in, um, and suddenly they hear this sort of rumble, like the galloping of horses, and suddenly this massive avalanche sort of rushes oh in through God. the back of the fuselage. So oh the back of the God. fuselage is facing the slope that slid down the and toboggan it's wide dam. open. It's wide uh, it, open. Well, it's open. I mean, they, yeah. they, they, they close it up every night with you're suitcases and clothes and stuff like that. It doesn't snow, keep that like, oh, my God. And Continue. Um, Continue. it's sort of early evening. There's still a bit, it's sort of, there's still a bit of light. Um, one of the boys has sort of jumped up at the last minute. And, he, you know, he's he's petrified because he thinks everyone else has died and the, and yeah. the, the sick sick boys on the hammocks are, are above the snow but only one other right. fit boy was above the snow and he starts digging frantically and and one by one he manages to get boys out and then they start oh digging and there's this oh sort of God. horrendous equation they have to work out you know do i how frightening. fully how frightening I, I mean it's frightening enough how frightening well how it's, frightening. it's horrible and and um you know, one one of the things they have to decide: should I just uncover someone's face, or should I get them fully uncovered so they can right. start digging? And you and you're trying to do this in a microcosm yeah, yeah. of a second, and, yeah, you know, with frozen hands and, and uh, just I mean, horrible. The worst, just horrible. the worst that you could possibly be in conditions yeah, yeah. to try to do anything. And you know, several and uh, anyway, the upshot is that 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 eight of them die. Several of them were very close to death. But, um, so I'm sorry. So I'm sorry. I'm trying to do that quick math. Are we down to twenty people? Well, we're at down that, to. We're down to. Um, at this point, we're down to nineteen. Nineteen. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so uh, another avalanche comes. Of you know, a couple oh, hours God. later, and it it completely covers the plane. So oh, they're they're in this fuselage. In a snowbank, um, so to speak, with about so speak. three or four feet space, 
Oh my god! Because the snow has filled the fuselage, right. right? And snow, you know, some feet above over the fuselage, over the, in a in a in a in a place no one knows where they are. So they're right. completely you lost to the world. Talk about claustrophobia, whether you have it oh, or not, you probably got it real quick, right? Oh my god! Anyway, it took um um it took them three days to get out of there too. God bless those people, my god. Um, and um, anyway, so. And unfortunately, what it did was it, it sort of completely undid all the work they'd done. You know, they'd sort of made a, a habitable I'll place, bet. and now I'll they bet. had to clear and out all the felt, snow. Well, two felt swoops, two hours. They'd, lost, they'd lost their water making, you know, equipment everything. And, and everything. And how despondent is that going to make the survivors? It, and, you know. and you know, some of the people have been planning to have an expedition. They 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 died. Anyway, so it takes them. You know, some weeks, three maybe three weeks before they can start to mount a, a new expedition. And they'd originally thought about a whole group of them walking up, but um, instead, uh, you know, they pick they pick three people, and they 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 sort of give them the most food. They get the best places to sleep. They to go out to go out yeah. and about and see what's they, up. And what they get the best. And... They get the best clothes. They get. In all humor aside, and I mean that with all due respect, did, did, did they not so much fight over, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, and I'm trying to put a levity to a really... No, I mean, know, I two... think there, there were a couple of people who um, everyone was clear, these, these a couple of the rugby players said... Yeah, you know, the, a little the, bit, they wanted everybody's safety, the, 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 these, these are the right people to go. And then they picked another one, they had a little trial expedition, and they picked a third person. And there right. was a fourth person who unfortunately was injured and later died. And they couldn't um, really. And he couldn't. He was very upset the not to go. Landscape, if you will. So, so they set out, um, and they they come across they they come across the tail of the plane, and okay. um, they make the decision that in the plane they in the tail they find the batteries, and they make the decision to well maybe rather than then sort of setting out into the unknown, we'll awesome. try and hook the radio. Up at the fuselage with the See batteries happens, right? down at the tail. Yeah. Um, and so they go back to the fuselage. They spend uh, a week trying to get the radio out. They go back down to the tail. They spend a week there trying to get it to work. Nothing works. They get some dials to work, and that's about God, it. God, how frustrating and deflating along the and way. Meantime, there are three deaths uh, from injuries. Just boys who'd had um who'd been injured in the accident and they gradually you know deteriorate and gradually become delirious and they and they they die and you know it's very uh, and, and they, really don't the last... they don't get any rash heat waves in the andes either so uh, well no but it's very hot in the day actually in oh, was um it? was it it, well, when so they, they did first... have the two extremes. They had the well, two extremes. Yeah, yeah. It was it was wow. bitterly cold at night, but yep. when you got into December, in particular, the sun because was, the sun in December was you're starting, you're starting, and you're you know it's the yeah, beginning yeah. of summer it's in, a in high December, so, yeah. and you're high up, and the, the, you know the the sun was quite quite hot during the during the day. But it was and you're trying to drag equipment and all that kind of stuff. My goodness, yeah, yeah. my goodness. Anyway, uh, to I've already probably spent, said too much. But uh, um, anyway, three of them set out um, up uh, this massive headwall at the head of the valley. It's about um, three thousand feet of you know, close to very very steep ascent. Takes them three days to get to the top. 
um, they they look over the top and they see just nothing but mountains. Um, and um, they send one guy back and they take his rations and two of them press on. Uh, Ten days later, they're, they're sort of on their last legs. They um, they start to see some signs of civilization. They see a rusty soup can and they see some cat, a cattle from track. This, from the summit that they were no, on? No, no, no. This is after walking for 10 days. They, they press oh, okay, on. Okay, into... just a short jaunt. Just a short jaunt. Yeah, 10 days. They press on into the unknown. I mean, really, they're, they're sort of thinking. So they we, well, eventually came upon some semblance of civilization. Eventually, I mean, they descended about, um, oh my they were God. about 15,000 feet at the summit. They descended to about 4,000 feet. So it's a, a big, long descent. Um, and, they, and, a, and a cattle herder spots them over a mountain torrent. Oh, my God. Oh my and they God. manage to write a, a little note and wrap it in a stone, throw it over to the guy. Yeah, we got a little and, bit off the trail. <laughs> and yes. the, guy, the guy, fortunately, you know, is literate and he's, he was able to read the note and he actually knows about the accident, even though, you know, it happened two and a half months previously. And it's still going to uh, be while you're out with the sheep or what that cattle or uh, what? It's still going to anyway, be kind of he, like, yeah, they come up over the hill, right? I mean, it's going to be a revelation to the gentleman too. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, so he rides he rides down several hours and, and, and he yeah. sends someone to help them and, you know, they get fed and get, you know, and so on. <laughs> so the note says, you know, we're 14 injured people. We come from a Uruguayan plane that crashed in the mountains. We have uh, 14 injured um you know, uh, friends up in the up in the mountains, still up in the mountains. Quick, we need to be rescued. So anyway, um, this muleteer or cattle herder, he goes down. He alerts the authorities, and then there's what a miracle! Yeah, what a miracle. that's through. a miracle. That's a that's a it's, miracle. Well, it was called it was called the Christmas miracle because it, it they were rescued on um, the twenty second of December or twenty third of December, I think. The right last lot Christ got day, off got right off the mountain. Christ day, yeah. Yeah. Um, so in, in, this Catholic, in this Catholicism, it is, isn't it? It's quite prevalent there. Well, right? they, they were, well, they, they were Catholics. Okay. Um, they, and they, and they, so there was, you know, there was a lot of um, talk about, you religion, know, commu and, communion. Yeah, I right, mean, they, right. They weren't especially pious, but they'd been brought up in a Catholic environment, which actually for Uruguay, you'd think Latin America, it's all Catholic. But Uruguay is not, it's a secular country. Right. And so that their their sort of community was a Catholic community, but that was that's not universal in, in Uruguay. So those religious convictions, listen, that's a tough decision if you're an atheist or whatever. But yeah. those religious convictions must have been tough for them in that ultimate decision as well. Yeah, yeah. No, it was very tough. And they, they you know, they had great um you know, feelings of well, they, you know, I guess they. I can only imagine, but I—I I mean, you know, they, like they wondered I, whether I they wondered whether they'd done the right thing, right? And they did. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, but of course. I—I uh, I, I mean, the re the rescue effort. I won't, I won't go into now. I mean, we, we can do it in another episode or something. But it's a very interesting um, sort of aspect of the story. But of course, uh, you know, from the outside world, you know, these boys have disappeared uh, and been left for dead. And everyone except except the mothers. The mothers think they're alive. Mothers always, right? God bless the mothers. But I mean, and not to and, make light and of that. One of, but... one, of, one of the extraordinary things about this story was that after the official search had been called off, there was a 
massive parent searches. Uh, several groups of parents went to, to Chile and tried to, uh, they searched all through the mountains, they rented planes, they rented helicopters, and everyone said they're crazy. <laughs> but of course, they were well, pro I mean, you know, yeah. But it was quite unprecedented, the, their, their involvement. Yeah, for in the sure. Search. I mean, yeah. it's not like it's an amusement park or flat land. Or, no, no. I mean, I'll, go in the a... woods, I'll go in the woods to help find, you know, it's no, not no, that. No, this was a very desolate part of the end. Not that accommodating. So, but, yeah. um, so, so from their point of view, you know, all of a sudden, 72 days later, wow. there's this news, 16 survivors. And then there's this incredibly tense thing where... Um, there's a, a guy, his name is Carlos Paez Villarol. Right, he was I the father. The yeah. He was the father of one of the passengers who survived. And he's almost single handedly led all these search efforts. He's a, a very famous artist in Uruguay. If, John, if you ever you get... the gentleman that was on horseback in the pictures of the book leading one of the search and rescues, that gentleman, I'm sure he probably was in that. Uh, um, you had some he, pictures in the book. Yeah, he wasn't. No, he wasn't on horseback. He wasn't. Okay, okay. That, that okay. wasn't it. Yep. I was just curious. Um, he yep. was a story. He wrote a very interesting book many years later about his role in the search. Very right. poetic book, a lovely book. Right. Um, but it's unfortunately just in Spanish. Um, but uh, the the so by the way, if you ever visit Uruguay, right. check out a I, I place called check out a case called place called Casa Pueblo, which is was his artist's studio so this fantastic place it's this sort of a sort of warren of uh rooms sort of whitewashed rooms all connected it's sort of meant to um mimic the the um mud nests of the uh native ornero birds uh it's quite a, a miracle of architecture i'll bet just your depiction just your depiction yeah. i'm good i'll bet i'll bet it says built into the cliffs over the um over the atlantic ocean Incredible. Right, right. Yeah. Um, anyway, so so he he read out the names, um, uh, broad they were broadcast, and that's how the parents find out who who lived and who died, and they knew there were sixteen names. So you right. had these families. Some of them had gone to Chile. Some of them were in their farms or in their homes, and you know, in in Montevideo, they were counting off one by one, and then you know came to the last name, and so either there was just how tenuous is that how tenuous is that like is ours going to be one of the yeah you know as you're listening to the recanter and and, you know he reads the names and he's he's got a piece of paper over the list and he pulls it down on each name when he gets to his fifth name says calitos miguel paez my son my son that's very so emotional really it's very it's so, emotional. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's so emotional. So yeah. you now at that time frame and in subsequent years, you've interviewed all of the survivors. Well, I've 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 met um, all the survivors except one. Um, I, maybe I should go back and um, say a little bit about my interest in, you know, in the story. Please do. So there was a, a book which many may remember called Alive. It's yes. by an English they author. Made the movie. They made yeah, the English movie, author yeah. Piers Paul Reed. If anyone um want you know, it's the sort of seminal book on the on the story right. um right. Alive and the movie came out from it twenty years later. Correct. Um Correct. and I probably read the book about 
10 years or so after the event. So it was in the 80s. Um, and I, it was something just resonated. I, I felt such a close connection um, to these people. Um, and I, I'm not sure why, why it was. I mean, I'd gone to, I mean, there were several possible connections. I'd gone to a, a rugby playing Catholic school, which was just like the school. Would, that you, these guess, boys would you consider had gone to. yourself an empath? Would you consider yourself an would you consider yourself an empath, you know, extraordinarily empathetic? And well, that might have been why you had a different connection well, right I, from the I, get I, I wouldn't say I'm um naturally I wouldn't naturally call myself okay. that. But for okay. this particular story it moved I you. felt it I felt great you. resonance. It moved you. It moved I mean, you. The, the book was beautifully uh, written. We we felt very. Right. We imagined ourselves in the place of the, you know, the passengers. I couldn't even begin um, to imagine it. it, it yeah. That's just it. and so, um, so so and the actually Piers Paul Reed had actually he'd been at the same school that I'd gone to, the, the author of right. Alive, but 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 Ooh. several you know fifteen years earlier, uh, I, I hadn't realized that at the time. I wow. found that out later, um, well, but I also, you know, my mother's Italian. I have a sort of bit of a Latin spirit, maybe, which um, you know helped me empathize a bit better with the sort of Latin psyche. Um, but one thing, you know, there's one thing that bothered me about about the book, okay. and that was that that we we don't really find out much about the passengers who died. It's okay, in their versions of yeah, right. it's very heavily oriented on the survival story and the survivors, Got and it. and that's completely natural because, you know, the book, you know, was uh, you know a lot of money was paid by the publishers. They needed a book that was, and and, and again, book, unfortunately, that is what sells. On all but, with all respect and humanity, that's what sells. Unfortunately, well, he, I mean, Pistol Reed. Uh, had to tread a very delicate balance because you know there's a sensationalist side of the story which oh it's just you incredible. know is, is one of the least, least interesting parts of it but yeah. um uh you know he had the parents of those who died he had the parents of those who who lived he had the survivors he had his publisher he had to sort of balance and and he had to write a good a good book you know because he was a he was a, a very yeah, good definitely. at yep, the definitely. time a fiction author not a non-fiction author this was his right. first foray into non-fiction correct. Um, correct 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 so so so, so this i'm this, sorry you go for go yeah, ahead. So this, this bothered me that um you know there were one two people we just their names are just mentioned once and it intrigued me you know who's Who's Felipe Macirien? Who's they were there who's, too? I mean, who's, good for you. Yeah, who's, they were who's there Gaston too. Costamale? Who's uh, you know Julia Martinez Lamas? Yeah, who's that? Uh, yeah, who's that? You know who? Are, what? What are their family? You know, and I imagined these these you know boys survivors coming back into this very close knit. I mean, Uruguay itself is a country of three million, and it, it's like a big family. In uh, fact, when two people meet in Uruguay. Um, they all know each other. Well, no, other. the first thing they speak about is do who who do they know in common? Because invariably they do. <laughs> right, right. It, they, that camaraderie is but, is. but but this group of people lived in this this sort of uh, neighborhood barrio of of uh, Carrasco right. is is the name of right. it, um, and it's 
a very you know tightly knit community. Everyone knew everything, everyone. I mean, they grew up in the neighborhood. They'd bike around and stop at someone else's house and turn up uninvited. And every you know, it was it was an idyllic childhood. Um, so you know, here you get this suddenly this idyllic sort of way of life and neighborhood, and suddenly you have this deep chasm between the winners and the losers. Right. You know, um, and it's an extraordinary situation. And the survivors, you know, they 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 didn't really know what to do. They went to visit. They didn't know what to say to the parents. You know, they'd done this sort of it's you know, what, they, what they'd done. And, um, you know, it was easier not really to speak about it. But over right. the years, um, you know, the survivors have become more and more prominent. They were heroes, They're, you know, big survivors. They've been movies. Uh, 40 books written and and, and sort of, um, you know, movies made. There's another movie coming out. Lots um, of things in 50 years. Uh, the uh, next month, yeah. yeah. And um, um, and meanwhile, these, you know, the one parents and the siblings of those who, who died are still living nights side by side, you know, next door to these people. And so um, I felt uh, a real... Um, I don't know, imperative to tell their stories. Good for you. But, but so this was this was sort of one one thread of of my book. So maybe maybe I'll I'll, I'll rewind a little bit. Um, Please do. So in 2013. So so as I as, I, as you said in the, in the um, introduction, I I've worked in um, high tech. Uh, Correct. In soft, software and research in in machine learning, artificial intelligence, and sort of you know blue sky type research um, work work from Microsoft actually, um, very interesting work. I was very blessed to. Sometime um, we'll get you back to talk about AI because that definitely will be a long show. But yeah, uh, I, I, I've been out. Of, I've been out two or three now years now, and it it sort of um, it goes very quickly. But I I was very early in AI. Uh, I can talk about that. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I, um, I was in a position where I, I wanted to do an adventure holiday, you know, sort of maybe uh, midlife sort of crisis oh, yeah. or something or late middle age crisis. Um, so I, I said, where would I like to go? I, I was always very interested in the Andy story. I'll go up, up to visit the site of the accident. And I searched around and I found there was um, a, a, an expedition run by, you know, for basically for Americans and English speaking people. Yeah, um, and it's run by an American Mexican uh, mountaineer called Ricardo Pena. He is, is from Colorado, and he has a mountain company. He's also a musician. Um, and he, in 2006, um, he, along with a, an Argentinian guide, a guy called uh, Mario Perez, who also runs um, expeditions up to the site of the accident, right. they found high up in the mountains where the plane had crashed. They found a jacket belonging to one of the survivors, and it still had his identity wow. card in and wow. money in uh, dollars, US dollars, and yeah, right. it had um, fallen out of the back of the plane at the point of the accident. Wow! And the jacket belonged to a survivor called Eduardo Strauch, who's a, a lovely guy, a very low key, so spiritual guy, he's an artist, um, an architect. Right. Um, very, very low key, quietly spoken, thoughtful. Um, 
he, we can't, and he'd never spoken about the accident in 2006. Ever, he, yeah. he'd never known. And Ricardo contacted him through various people, and they became good friends, and they started running an expedition. So Eduardo goes up on this expedition every year up to the site of the accident. And so if you sign up for this expedition, you actually spend five days with one of the survivors wow. actually going up to the place wow. where he spent 72 wow, days. Wow, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so, and I, I, went, I went twice, um, and, you know, I got to know Eduardo very well. And through Eduardo, I got to know um, another survivor, a guy called Pedro Algorta. And um, he was a guy who really interested me because he was a little bit aloof from the other survivors. And okay. so you, um, uh, uh, and so from a reader of the book Alive, you sort of, it's somebody, someone to latch onto because he's sort of also looking a little bit from the outside. Got it. So there's yeah. sort of a resonance there. Anyway, I, I met up with, with Pedro, um, introduced by Eduardo, and uh, we had lunch. I said, I, he, he just published his memoir. I said, I'll translate your memoir. Even though I didn't speak a word of Spanish. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, with a lot of uh, effort, um, you know, I mean, the main thing about translation is, first of all, you have to understand the original, which I did with a lot of effort. But the, the second was then to put it into good English, which I, which I did. And so I gradually got embedded in the community. And through Pedro, I, I met another survivor. I, and I met all the survivors and spoke a lot. I mean, I, I'd say I'm, you know, I'm good friends with perhaps five of them and the others I know, you know, I know great. to talk to. But um, I haven't spent a, a huge amount of time with. But, but through, through them, I, I got to know the families of those who died. And um, so in 2019, I had a sabbatical from work and I, I went out and I did um, about 65 hours of interviews wow. with these. And these are mainly siblings now because the parents' generation have, except for one lady who's a remarkable lady, one, one of the mothers of those who died, who I've, I've chatted to, um, you know, it's just the brothers and sisters who survive. But they were, right. many of them had never talked about you know, about this. And so their memories were much fresher than the survivors who talked about it again and again and again. Correct. Um, and uh, so, I, I, you know, um, I, I sort of started off a bit tentatively speaking to them. I said, oh, I'm thinking of writing a book. And then after I'd spoken to one or two of them, I said, I'm writing a book. About, oh, by the way. Uh, yeah, yes. right, right, right. Will, you, will you talk to me about, you know, about your, your brother? And they were open to do something. In the end. And yeah, I mean, they were a bit tentative first, but a sort of trust grew and I started to show them what I was writing. You know, you know, I sent them draft copies and so on. Then they really started to embrace it. Did, did they indeed very... like the point that did they indeed like the point that you were trying to hey, oh, there were some people there were some people that met their demise in this yeah, situation. They, they were very yeah. appreciative. Um yep. and you know, uh sort of a a sort of a broad, you know, um, sort of complete um, view of those who had died and never been written before. There'd been some, there'd been, there's a one book by, written by the sister of one of the, and niece of one right. of the um, people who died, but it, it was in Spanish and it was very much oriented about him, whereas mine from a sort of from an outsider was, right. um, you know, more, 
uh, I guess, uniform, more more even-handed. Well, because, again, you had human emotional interest, yeah. but it wasn't, it wasn't your brother, cousin, nephew, niece, aunt, yeah, yeah. uncle, whatever. So, gotta ask, gotta ask, those family members that you had the great honor and pleasure of meeting and talking to, what were their convictions of trying to understand what the survivors had to do with their children, whatever the relationships were? Yeah. Was there? Well, what, well what I mean, was that, there? That, there, well, that's there a, a tough of, one. I mean, that's a tough one. So what well, was there, there? There, there are a lot of reactions. I mean, one of the extraordinary um, things about the when they just came back from the mountain, correct? Were some of the parents of those who died were incredibly supportive. Um, you know, one one of the parents of, of whose son died. He was the youngest guy in the flight. He was eighteen. Correct. Um, he said, um, "Thank goodness there were forty five people on the flight." So that sixteen, you know, families got their loved one back. That's a special human being, right there. I mean, that's isn't that isn't that incredible? It, yeah. And there, there were other situations funny. like this, and you know, other parents said we fully support what the what the boys did, and it we we it, feel it's that it's great that people did understand that because obviously yeah. nobody's sitting there and. Hey, you know, I mean, but, but, nobody. But, I mean, that's that's one side of thing. There were some families and parents who, who didn't, didn't like the situation like at all. The situation yeah, yeah. that had happened, yeah. Yeah. and so there's there's a spectrum, and some of that comes across, um, you know, in 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 the book, um, and some you know the people I interviewed in 2019, and and I've interviewed them, you know, again since, and had numerous. WhatsApp chats right. and uh, right. uh, and email conversations and so on. Um, they, um, you know, some of them have never spoken about it, and they were very, very I'm happy. Sure. They found I'm sure. Very, I'm sure. In some realms, it's a taboo subject, perhaps. Well, it's it's very, they found it very cathartic. A lot of them, and they right. were very gracious, just lovely people. In a very warped sense of the word, it does give closure. I mean, in a very yeah, but it does give closure to some degree. So I well, guess it, that's a calming I mean, thing. Without without exception, they were charming. They you know they placed total trust in this complete stranger from the UK. And, oh, I was um, going to say they didn't take any ambivalence to yourself being a stranger. It, it was an being a stranger. It was an extraordinary thing because I knew a few of them, right. and it all happened by word of mouth. So I interviewed a couple of people. I said, well, can you can you put me in touch with opinion. you know such and such? And they said, uh, yeah. And so right. I could. It's it, Uruguay. I can never make plans more than a day in advance. So that's awesome. Um, so I I just you know I start off with one or two interviews a day, and it rapidly filled up to you know two, three, four on one day. That's wonderful. And it was that's all wonderful. word of mouth, and so it's the sort of news Thanks. spread. Because that's a that's a huge trust element. So to well, get that to get that trust is kudos to you, my friend. It, well, obviously you obviously you emanated that trust, though. I mean, that's well, a big barrier of trust. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I hope I hope I emanated, and it was it was was very genuine. I mean, I was genuinely right. 
interested and wanted to tell their stories. I felt it had to be done. I felt it had to be done right. by an outsider. It had to be done with an, by an outsider without commercial, um, you know, rationale or, or you know, the purpose right. was to tell the story. Uh, yeah, I spent a lot of money writing the book, and it, I didn't. I didn't care about, right. you know, whether it whether it. Um, so you're not talking about an in, 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 inanimate object, or something. you're talking about yeah, yeah. the human equation. That that's a tough genre, and families yeah. under that condition. You understand all feelings, actually. You do. Yeah. Uh, even those that, you know, might not have been comfortable with the ultimate situation. Yeah. No, but every, everyone was absolutely wonderful. And, you try um, to put yourself in that situation. You try to yeah, try yeah, yeah, to put yourself. Yeah. How would how would you react? I, yeah. That's and I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I think many of them as great friends. I mean, you know, we 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 chat every. It's you know, so beautiful that by... something beautiful yeah, came yeah. out of something so tragic that you yeah, formed yeah. those great relationships. Yeah. So, so that I mean, I so the the book has a big section. I mean, it's sort of yep. more towards the tail end of the book, and right. I I but now the survivors. So and the story itself, I right. I didn't I didn't want I deliberately didn't want to interview the survivors because they have been interviewed. That's been done hundreds of times. Yeah, okay. right. And their their memories sort of merged in with what they said, you know, last year or the year before, and so on. Or twenty years ago, or whatever, or whatever. Yeah. But what, one of the great things that that came out was that I, um, I, I, um, you know, contacted Piers Paul Reed, who wrote the original Alive. Uh, he lives in London, and we we, we became good friends. We we chatted a lot. I've been. You know, um, he um, was very, you know, supportive of the book, and he gave me special access to um, his archive and, and, you know, some of it which which had never been used or, you know, seen. That's a great on. honor and privilege. That's from, a great honor and privilege. From 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 you know from interviews that um, occurred two months after the accident. So right. um, so those those. Um, uh, Memories were much, you know, more accurate, more vivid and fresh, and more if you vivid. Will. Yes, you say, yeah, at right. the time. And so, yeah. uh, and then I had other sources. There's an um, American writer who wrote a book, and I, I mined his archive. It's in, uh, it's not Colorado, maybe Wyoming. I can't remember. Somewhere, somewhere out there. Um, then I, um, I had the good fortune to. Be contacted by a Chilean researcher who'd been going to write his book, uh, wow. his own book, yeah. and he'd he'd done massive interviews of all the people on the Chilean side, the rescue crews, and the. Was that um, a happenstance meeting, or as a happenstance? I was. I didn't quite know how Isn't he was going to handle crazy? that part of the book. And he contacted me, crazy? and I said, and he, he decided to come over to to England. He wanted to meet peers, and he wanted to speak to me. How beautiful. And he saw the book I was writing because I'd written about two thirds of it by then. He said, "No, your book should be the one." I'm going to, and he said, "My my heart fell when I when I when I saw what you'd, you'd written because I you know I'd planned to sort of to write this." And and then later he came back and he said, "You know, we talked we talked maybe we do a joint book, but I'd already written, you know, substantial section part of the book." So he too, said, too "Well." Quick. I'm sorry, so, go ahead, finish your point. I'm sorry. So, so he, he, he made the suggestion, well, look, um, you can have all my research on Chile, 
you know, you can have the transcripts of all the interviews I did. Wow. Um, and I will translate your book in Spanish, and you have to give me the sole rights to the book in that right. in in right. the Spanish-speaking right. world. Right. Well, that's fantastic. Done. It did three. Sold three. <laughs> killed three birds with one stone. Uh, to, uh, yeah. That's awesome, though. How so, fortuitous! So, you know, I, How I had, I had a whole a rich a rich vein of of primary you really you know, material. You really the main vein. Uh, if you I, I, had a, I had a translator and I had yep. a, a publisher and a distributor in, in, in Latin America. So it was uh, quite extraordinary for me. I mean, it's it, almost whole... like that's almost like John, that's almost like destiny. That's almost well, like it, destiny. It really felt like that when I was, cause I, you know, I mean, I hadn't written a book before I, I, I retired right, from right. my, my retired from my right. job to write the book. Right. Um, it was a big step into the unknown for me, um, right. but I, I found my writing facility fairly quickly. Um, and, uh, you know, I found the, the tone I wanted to do for the book. I mean, it's a history, but I want it to be, you know, eminently readable. I didn't want it to be soppy, but I want it to be, you know, interesting. I wanted to bring the reader into the, you know, the, 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 the whole uh, context of, the community, the community they came from, the history of Uruguay, the, um, you know, the very it's interesting. They, it's part of who they were. And then, of course, the it's survivors who, who they, they are, who they yeah. are. Yeah. 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 And the very interesting so times that, that they were living in when they when they set off on that trip. It was an unprecedented time in Uruguay. It was crazy. Um, now, none so, of them at the time, none of them were what you would call elderly, right? What would have been the age well, range of the victims? Okay, you know, so off the cuff, off the cuff. As well, they were, they were um, I mean, typically between 19 and 24. Um, there were one or two with you, maybe 26. Coaches sort of or age. something like that, maybe something like well, that. Um, yeah, one of the older boys. And then there was. Um, yeah. Uh, a cousin of one of the boys who was that just happened to be older. Who was 30, and... 35. Uh, he was the oldest passenger. His wife. Um, he survived. His wife they didn't have any old. Cronies. They didn't have any old cronies on board. All right. Well, right. the pilot. Right. The pilot. The pilot was forty. That's the oldest we okay. can get. I'm he was afraid. a baby. He was a baby. Yeah. He was a baby. But John, make sure that you do, please, with all due respect. Tell us about the fairly recent 2020 expose. I remember that expose. Tell us about how that all materialized and how it's all based on your book. That uh, segment was quite contributory. Please. Yeah, the please. 2020, um, well, I'm glad you saw that, the documentary. Um, well, because of the 50th um, anniversary, there've been... I always felt uncomfortable using that word anniversary, but I mean, it is universal, even yeah, yeah. on a bad connotation, but continue. continue. Um, so, so there's, you know, there's this film by um, this um, Spanish director, Bayona, who's, who's quite a well-known right. director, and that's coming right. out. That was meant to come out on the 50th anniversary, uh, but right. it's now coming out on the 51st. So, so um, things take time. But, <laughs> yeah. but that that yeah. that was that was much more. Um, that was like my book, a, a, you know, a work of you know of love. I mean, it is something that you know he had the passion to do. They got all Argentinian Uruguayan actors. He spent months, you know, with the survivors and you know other families and so on. 
Uh, it should be. It's very good. I mean, it's been shown in a couple of um, film festivals. But, um, I, I, you know, in parallel with that, there are going to be these documentaries. Um, so there's going to be an ITN documentary, which is sort of based on my book. That's um, awesome. Uh, although I don't appear in that documentary. It was... Will that be in the confines of 2024? Or? Well, I keep on asking the guy. It was meant to be 2023, and I think it should appear 2023. But um, it's, it'll be in the UK, but I'm sure it will be on some streaming service at some point. So within um, three months or whatever we've got left, there's a possibility it could be there's done. A possibility, yeah. I need I yeah. need to I need to speak to yeah. the production team. Um, but the um, the 2021, um, they contacted Piers Paul Reed, and Piers is very happy to put push all requests onto me. He says, "Look, it's a long time ago. I wrote that book <laughs> 48 years ago, or 49 yeah. years ago." Um, yep. Please speak to John. He's written, you know, this fantastic yeah, speak book. Speak to John. He knows everything. And yeah, he Jesus knows much Lord. more than I do now. So the, um, the 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 London um, uh, office of uh, ABC uh, brought right. me down to London. They brought Piers um, to you know to the studio as well, and yep. they. Um, I I'd, I'd sent a copy of the book to the production team, and they they all awesome. had copies, and um, awesome. it was used to sort of drive a lot awesome. of the, the the dialogue and stuff. And you yeah, know, the I book have... of course, the book of course sells itself, but hey, a yeah, little yeah. twenty twenty, the little twenty twenty exposure. Uh, there, there was a bit of a spike. Right? There was a bit of a spike there. Right, yeah. right, we like that. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. So, so it was uh, it was interesting for me because I've never done you know anything like that before, but. Um, it was very, yes. it was very low key, and they they did a good job of editing it. I mean, my only, you know, I guess sadness was that they it was really they were going over stuff that had been gone over before, um, right. whereas my book had a, a wealth of sort of new material. Right. Um. But uh, but I think you know I can understand that because they originally I think it was going to be in three parts, and then they made it um, just one. You right. Know, one. Um, right. Session, one 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 and a half hour or two I'm hours. Or two hours back, I'm I'm trying to flash back now real quickly in this old man memory about the movie Alive. Yeah, having seen it way back when, and I'm trying to remember and I'm trying to be tactful here. Did they not so much embellish it, but did they do a true depiction? I'm trying to bat that around in my well, head, or was it a Hollywood version, if you will? Well, I think it, I think it was somewhere in between because yep. some of the, I mean, they 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 stuck to the facts, right? Pretty, care, pretty carefully. I do remember that but, now. Yeah, but it but it was a question of emphasis, I think, that um, for me was a bit problematic. So, you know, the 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 sort of the heroes of the story, the ones who walked out, right. and you know, two or three others, were sort of really right. elevated. And you know the sort of the other passengers were, you know, kind of took a back seat or you know, literally and figuratively, no pun intended. But yeah, 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 and um, yeah. and also, you know, one of um, obviously, you know, they were telling the story of a life, so they they wasn't really in their place to tell the story of those who well, didn't yeah, survive, right, right, other than right. you know the fact that some of them died in the avalanche. And some of them died in the 
you know, uh, going out the back of the plane. Um, but, you know, I felt they could have done a little bit more on the trek out of the Andes, right. which was very interesting, and they right. didn't do anything on that. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, they did a, a, a reasonable job. I mean, I saw it many, many times. Um, but I felt, you know, I mean, the plane crash sequence is incredible. I mean, they. I was starting to see that in my head again. Yeah, there was, it, it was right at the beginning. So me. if you were late, right. if you were late in turning up, you missed the. You missed yeah, that right, scene. right, 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 right. Um, but um, yeah, in the end, I thought it was a bit anodyne. It was, it was a bit, you know, a bit flat. I thought. It, well, it when you still... heard that message, or when you got that feeling, however it materialized that you alluded to, that you felt as though, you, thank you for doing so, because there is nothing that shows that, as you said, so eloquently, yeah. that shows those other poor people's side of it, and the families, yeah. and so forth. So I'm glad that that went off, and everybody was fairly receptive to it, and, and you understand how those that weren't comfortable with yeah. it, you understand that too, of course, of course. So, well, but where do you go from things. here? Where do you go from here? Another, another book or a continuation of the theme or not? Well, I, I just want to finish on on, on the book. Yeah, so, please do. Just, um, please do. so I, I retell the story, but hopefully there's a lot of new information there. I, I give a lot of contextual information, as I said, which I think is very interesting, especially if you plan to visit Uruguay. Um, and it really gives a, you, it, it, it sort of puts you into the, you know. And the book itself, because we want to, yeah. the book itself, we want to make sure is that available yeah. through all sources that you would find books or where? Well, tell it, us where you can find the book. Well, I mean, they're on just online, you know, the standard online. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, yep. uh, retailers. Um, uh, they link. You can also see it on Google Play. Um, Google Play Books. For sure. For sure. You can you can read it. Um, but the other, the other thing I do, a uh, couple other things I do in the book. One is I do an analysis of, of it's like like a um, what's it is it called May Day in the state in in uh, yes. in the yes. states yes yes uh, here it's called air crash investigation. So I sort of okay. do okay. one of that because it's never really been explained, and I think I, I I look very deeply into that, and I think I have a very compelling um, theory as to what happened, which I won't, I don't want to go into now. Um, okay. But, um, a story for another time. Yeah. Um, and then, then I sort of finish off with uh, uh, I, I, I ask, you know, I talk about a lot of the aftermath of the last 50 years, and I ask each of the survivors to say a few words at the end of the book. And uh, 11 out of the 16 took me up on it. So, That's a pretty good bad average. That's a but, pretty good bad Yeah. Average. One of them actually, so it was 11 out of 15 because one had, had died by then. But um, yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, where do I go from here? Well, um, actually, I'm, uh, what I'm doing right now is, um, is quite, it's completely, completely different from, uh, from this. I, if you I care just, to expand upon it, you've got, well, feel free I won't to do spend, so. I won't spend long on it, but um, okay. I, found, I found my great-grandmother, who I actually knew, was an incredible tra traveler. She traveled um, throughout North and West Africa, crossing the Sahara a couple of times, sort of really? staying in wow. various African villages and just exploring the culture and taking photos wow. back, just back in the late 20s. So I'm, I'm, oh, I'm transcribing and um, digitizing 
uh, oh, her, her whole archive, her diaries, and so on. Whether especially whether in that time, especially in that time era, back in the twenties. Yeah, yeah, God, 20, God 29, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 30, wow. 29 to 32. And you just yeah. found this out fairly recently about Yeah, that? yeah. Well, I this all this stuff came in a huge stuff I was clearing out my parents' house. And um, and you just came across it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I've been going good. through it, and she has these wonderful diaries. So whether that's it crazy. actually get published or not, I don't know. But that's that's a... That's actually a long-term project. She kept, she kept, was she an author herself? Did she keep copious notes? No, no, journal? she kept on saying in her diary, I wish I was an author. <laughs> but no, and she, she probably wasn't. was she, a pretty darn good one, she, right? She had a good eye yeah. for observation. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a wonderful story in another cell. you got to come back. you got so many stories to tell us about the AI another time, another time. Yeah, yeah. But that's such a – I'd love to know your thoughts on developing AI moving forward another time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, John, I always do this, especially now where the world's a little topsy-turvy. I always ask my guests as we start to segue out. First of all, do tell us all about social media and everything. I want to make sure everybody has every point of advantage besides the website. So please do re- reiterate your social media presence and so forth. Well, then I'm going to have you, then I'm going to have you expand upon your views of the world right now and What's the good and the bad and the ugly for our legacy moving forward? Okay. Um, what do you question? Well, what in terms question? of the in terms of social media, I, I don't have a great social media presence. I'm uh, okay. Maybe uh, it's it's my age or, <laughs> maybe or whatever. Maybe doing but... the right thing. You maybe doing so, the right thing. Um, so, so my website was sort of um, even that came, even that came reluctantly, but I felt I had to have some. But that's uh, definitely know, all of, encompassing the website yeah. for information. And so I mean, you know, I'm on LinkedIn and and um, you know, and Facebook, but not not as an author. Uh, you know, I don't have an author page there, just as a personal correct thing. People correct. Um, people can find me there if they if they search for it. Um, well, the world's um, a very interesting place right now, um, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't. You know, it seems to me. That on most issues, on most issues, people probably see eye to eye more than they think. Um, and what, what what the problem is is that you have these, uh, you know, polarized reactions, um, and the polarized reactions are based on not having the patience to understand situations. Um, and you know, whatever the you know the the, the sort of you know the, we we all know what the, uh, the you know things go go about on on social media these days. You. But um, I think if people have the patience and the demeanor to understand that there are two sides of any story, and so um, you know, but. You know how you affect that, how you make that happen in you know with today's political you know situation is uh, is almost impossible but you know i it just occurred to me i mean if you look back at um uruguay in the um, in the seventies and sixties sixties and seventies so Uruguay was this beacon of democracy, right? In the in the in the fifties, um, and 
you know, it was a great country. You had great social security and, you know, all these guarantees for, you know, employer employees and, uh, and so on. And, you know, free education and, and so on. And then, you know, the economic situation got difficult. Things started to bite. People started to feel hard done by, and they started to polarize. And through the 60s, things started fairly innocuous, and then it got more and more polarized. Okay, and on the one side, you had the Tupamaro guerrillas who started off with good conscience and sort of, you know, of, of you know, the identifying with the, you know, the, the poor of the country. And then you had the people trying to govern. Uh, and, you know, as the polarization came worse, then it became more and more serious. And then it became to a point of no return. So, you know, there started people starting getting killed. Uh, it was so polarized that the military government, you know, military government took over. And this this beacon of democracy had gone from, you know, uh, this ideal, ideal country, really, in, in the 1950s to now a military dictatorship and, you know, all the, the bad that went along with that. Um, unfortunately, that ended in, in the 90s. Um, but it's, 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 I guess it's a, a, a sort of a, a warning that if you don't try and stem polarization, it can lead to catastrophic, um, you know, outcomes. So I think that sums it up so greatly. I would just add a quick caveat extension. <clears throat> Trying to do this tactfully. To John's earlier point about even the book in the Hollywood depiction of the movie, with all fair, there's always a little bit of a Hollywood theater element to things that developed before our eyes, too. Yeah, it's yeah. disseminating the line that maybe severs reality from the theater. And then to John's earlier point, with Uruguay being an excellent country to use as an example, democracy can get away from us all mm -hmm. if we're not vigilant of being astute of our surroundings. Community, arm in arm, together, calmness, repose. That's how you keep all bullies at yeah. bay, whomever they may be and wherever they may emanate from. So going to end the show today on that note, let you resonate on that. Thank everybody for continuing to join us daily. We do grow exponentially with your help. It's very much myself just being blessed with being a conduit and having been privileged to meet many people like John over the years and having the opportunity of my way of being able to give back to simply invite provocative guests with exciting stories like John, who definitely has an open invite, scheduling the world. Before we all know it, it'll be next calendar year, wherever our projects will be. But John has the open invite to come back. Please do check out his book. Revisit the story, All Kids from 1 to 92. I kid from one of my shows, Workouts for Geriatrics on the Health Side. The book is very informative. Ask your grandmother and grandfather if you are that young, and I mean that with all due respect, to perhaps grab a copy and sit down and understand this version of an amazing, amazing story. Just an amazing Can I, can I just um, hold it up? I, I, I just wanted to hold it up because I, I, I realized I hadn't talked about the title. 
And, yeah, please and the, do. And, the, and John, please expand upon it. We still have a little bit of time. Hold it yeah, up again, please. The, 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 the title is to, to Play the Game. It's a history yep. of Flight 571. And this comes from, uh, you know, this was a rugby community they came from. And um, it was a rugby community that was sort of created by the, the Irish Christian brothers who founded the, who founded the school in that, in that community. And there was this prayer they had before rugby games. Um, and, it, it, and part of it was, uh, for when the one great scorer comes to write against your name, he will not ask if you won or lost, but how you played the game. And that that's the purpose of the type the, the title. And you know, people did win and lose in this For incredible sure. and tragic story. But uh that's that a wonderful metaphor. That's, that's yeah. a wonderful metaphor for life. Yes. In all aspects of our day to day affairs. Great place to leave it. I'm gonna ask John to hang around just for a second. I'm gonna sign off to the audience. I'll see y'all again tomorrow. Good Lord willing in the creek don't rise. I'll be right here waiting for you. Thank you, everybody. Have a safe, productive day. Continue to pay it forward. It is the message. It's certainly the messenger in John's case, but it is the message to resonate out with his audience, our audiences, the audience, and stay together and we'll solve lots of things. We'll see you all again tomorrow. Bye-bye for now and may God bless. Peace, everybody. Thank you. That was awesome, my friend. You must come back at some point.